0: Yes, indeed. Welcome in. Welcome in. Total coverage, baby. Total coverage. Week number seven. We just finished up week number six in the National Football League. I'm always excited to be with you. Kirk Morrison here. Eight-year NFL veteran in the National Football League. Five years in Oakland. Yes, with the then Oakland Raiders. Uh, The Jacksonville Jaguars for one year. And my last two years in Buffalo, man. But what a week in the National Football League. So much to get caught up with you all about, man, just in a couple minutes, but Kadri Ishmael, that's right, the missile Kadri Ishmael, former wide receiver with the Ravens, Ravens analyst, man. He is going to break down the Ravens and their big victory over the Los Angeles Chargers from this past weekend, so I can't wait to talk to him. I can't wait to just talk about some of the performances of week number six in the NFL. Some didn't see it, some saw it, I didn't expect it, but, man, we're going to talk about a lot of the games, especially, man, to get into the Raiders. Man, what's going on with the Cowboys, what they got going on? Man, yeah. got to talk about some outstanding defensive performances. Again, he's been a player of the week for me already this year. Maybe trying to get another one this year. We're going to talk about Trayvon Diggs. We mentioned the Cowboys. We've got to talk a lot about him. Man, still one undefeated team remaining. We'll talk about that victory the, the uh, Arizona Cardinals and what they were able to do over the uh, Cleveland Browns. So I got to talk about that, man. It's just so much to get caught up here on the total coverage week number seven. Um, as we conclude week number six, remember, you can always hit me up on Twitter at Kirk Morrison is my Twitter handle at Kirk Morrison again on Instagram. So we're going to got all of that coming up and remember you can find this podcast, the total coverage podcast, on Apple, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast from, remember, you go type in Total Coverage, and you'll find this. So, look, I can't wait to be with you. Again, Kirk Morrison on Twitter, Kirk Morrison on Instagram. Yes, follow me, questions, answers, whatever you need. I got you. But, man, it was a big, big game in Baltimore this past weekend. And, whoo, I didn't see this coming. It was Herbert versus Lamar Jackson. It was a fun one. I did not expect this at all, but man, you don't want to hear from me. Let's go to the guest, man. Let's go. Kadri Ishmael, 10 year NFL career with the Vikings, Dolphins, Saints, Ravens, Colts, man. One of the fastest guys in the NFL, as always, he's Kadri, the missile. Uh, Ishmael, man. Kadri, man. First of all, thanks for coming on. I, I know it's uh it's fun times right now to be a Ravens fan. And I just want to start with this question. Week one, Ravens lose to the Raiders. Monday night football. <laughs> they're 0-1, yeah. and everyone's like, oh man, what's going on? Like, you know, we don't have running backs, this and that, and everybody's panicking. We fast forward now. Five weeks later, they <laughs> they win five consecutive games. They're now five and one. What's the
1: mood now in Baltimore? Well, I think after, as you said, the the first opening. Uh, day game with the uh, Las Vegas Raiders um, you would have thought it was Armageddon and the world was going to end you know I I think it was a case where uh, going into the year you you had everything set and what I mean by that is you had the running game which is your staple which you hang your hat on you had J.K. Dobbins you had Gus Edwards you had you know, Ronnie Stanley on track to come back and and play and play well. Um, There was an unknown in Alejandro Villanueva at left or right tackle. But for the most part, you thought, you know, all right, you know, he's going to do his job. And um, you you have some receivers that you feel really confident about. And then all hell just breaks loose. And (laughs) sure enough, you get the injury to JK. You get the injury to Gus Edwards. You get the injury to Marcus Peters, defensive back, Uh, talented, talented guy. Um, then, you know, Ronnie Stanley was having some issues as far as his ankle and just recent update. He's been put on IR because of his ankle, uh, um, Villanueva. He's just flat out struggled over on the right side and you had some unknown guys at running back and Latavius Murray, um, Devonta Freeman, um, you know, you, you, had a guy who was in camp that you liked but you wasn't really sure what he was going to do in Tyson um, Williams. And so there was just, there was a lot there. And I I think um, it it took a minute for this Ravens ball club to kind of figure themselves out. They did. And what we've seen are some really tight games, uh, some games where it hasn't been perfect, but we also saw the emergence of um, the dominance of Lamar Jackson. And if you got Lamar, you got a chance to win. (laughs)
0: You're right about that, man. What have you seen from Lamar, though? Because you mentioned a lot of the injuries and what's been going on. But I think for a lot of people, it's the way that he's been able to throw the football, right, this year. He's nine touchdowns versus five interceptions, which, you know, some of them, him just being a football player. But he's thrown for over 1,600 yards. It's been his completion percentage, too. His completion percentage hes completing the ball at 67.5%. Yeah. What have you seen from him? Uh, Not just from this athletic ability, which we already know, but him in the pocket. I think he's proven a lot of people that he can throw from the well.
1: So here, here's the one thing about Lamar every year, he's progressed every year. He's improved. Uh, But I think the, the, the mantra of, Oh, he isn't uh, anything, but a glorified running back just remains. And I'm like looking around like, okay, well, you know what? What gives you that that evidence to say so? And I think part of it is just there's, you know, some level of I guess jealousy or whatever it might be. But <laughs> yeah. again, last year, you know, doing what he needed to do, getting his team into the playoffs yet again, winning on the road in the playoffs. Um, I think he's just going out there and proving himself. You know, year in and year out. When you hear him speak, it's it's not you know trying to get caught up in all the hype. It's it's hey. Um, what do we need to do? We need to win. And that's all I right. care about is just winning. And and he's done that. He's the most wins out of any quarterback under the age of 25 uh, in NFL history, breaking Dan Marino's record. You know, he's done it um, with a variety of ways. And yes, we talk about running the ball with Greg Roman. But, you know, this is a, a, an offense that that continually pushes the envelope of being a dominant run team, but also now having strong balance within the passing attack. Um, what it was, it Keith Williams, T Martin, they both come in. T -hmm. Martin and and Keith, from a a receiver standpoint, really worked on the little details for you know some of the receiving core, but then at the same time, they've expanded uh the passing attack and and really brought into you know Greg Roman's offense a a way in which you can hang your hat on the passing attack. So, go ahead and look at the, the Colts game where. No, you're down big time. I think it was mm-hmm. what like 23 to 6 or something like that in the, in the yeah. uh third fourth quarter, the, yeah. Third, third quarter, fourth. going into the fourth quarter, and you're coming back, not running the ball, throwing the ball. You talk about his pocket presence. He had it last year. So this isn't something new. However, the progression as he's going through his reads, you see him going through his reads, and now he's getting the ball um, down the football field. Uh, you, you go ahead and you see what he did against the Broncos as far as, yeah, you're going to go ahead and take away the underneath stuff. I'm going to throw it deep and, and, and hurt you there. Um, you, you need to make a fourth quarter play. You're going to make a fourth quarter play on fourth and 23 and get it out to your boy, Sammy Watkins for first down and good clock management and wind up putting your team in position for a field goal that now sets an NFL record, 66 yard or what Justin tuck, uh, Tucker. So I see all of this. I see the way, even in last week's game, everybody is jumping on the bandwagon as far as Justin Herbert and rightly so correct. But This is a dude that, you know, just goes out there and wins and, and, and doesn't try to get caught up in hype. His numbers weren't like, Oh my God, but they didn't have to be. It was, it was, poise it was uh the intangibles that that the stats don't show that he went into the game and and just played a a a phenomenal game and that's something that i look at as far as what we're seeing with uh lamar jackson
0: yeah i think the bigger thing was to your point Look, it was the matchup of Week Six. I thought everybody wanted to see, right? Oh, here come the Ravens. They're at home, but oh, these Chargers, man! Everybody has fallen in love with the Chargers, and we'll see what they look like going on a road to Baltimore. It wasn't a game, Kajri. It wasn't a game. It was look a blowout, thirty-four <laughs> to six. Look, a lot of credit yeah. has to go to that Baltimore defense. They, I, I know we talk about the offense a lot, and but Lamar, and you mentioned some of the skill position players. But what about Wink Martindale's defense that allowed 26 yards rushing? They held Justin Herbert under 200 yards. And, oh, by the way, 0 for 2 on fourth down by Brandon Staley's football team, which, you know, they've been going for it on fourth down. What did you see from that Ravens defense?
1: Yeah, so I think with uh, Brandon Staley and, and the way they run their offense, I mean, it's, 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 it's a Justin Herbert, you know, centric. It's, it's, right. hey, we, we got talent around him. We're going to get the ball out to our guys. They're going to make plays. We got, you know, a, a good, strong, complementary run game, uh, passing as far as the screen, as far as the little checkdowns, all that. And if you looked at the, the the Colts tape, you, you're saying to yourself, mother of pearl, this is going to be a long day <laughs> for the Ravens defense. Right. Um, and to be honest with you, the Ravens defense has been poor tackling, missed assignments. Um, They've not been opportunistic when it's coming to you know uh, sacking the quarterback slash um, you know creating opportunities to uh, get turnovers. And yes, has Adafe Owe been you know all as advertised as a rookie? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, have we seen some good, strong, solid play up front? We have. With that middle line backing core, it's just been just okay. And I think this past week's game. Wink Martindale to his credit. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. But if it's not to your expectation, you need to tweak it. And he did. And you know, he he took Patrick Queen out, put in um, Josh Pines. They had these different packages where, you know, guys would go in and out of the game. And, and I think it settled everybody down. Guys were knowing their assignments better. You saw that there was more of a, a, a rallying to the ball. There was uh, it looked like <laughs> the Ravens defense that for decades we've been accustomed to seeing. So I, I look at it as like, you know what? I, I know that uh, it's always going to be, you know, something week to week. There's always going to be a challenge, but I think for this defense, they stepped up to the challenge. And as you said, 26 yards Russian um, to, to get into Justin Herbert's mind, as far as, you know, picking the ball off, sacking them. I think he had like three sacks on a day or whatever. whatever. Um, It was a complete of a game defensively that I've seen in in quite a while. And and I think this rotation at the linebacker spot might be the the answer to what they've been uh, trying to deal with. Just a couple more minutes with the uh, member of the Ravens Super Bowl
0: 35 winning football team and the host of the Purple Pregame on WJZ Channel 13 Baltimore, the CBS affiliate. You know, um, I was a big Bell Biv DeVoe fan. I don't know about (laughs) yourself right
1: yeah Uh,
0: (laughs) I I bring that up because I feel like I have to be a big fan of BMF now and BMF being Le'Veon Bell Latavius Murray and Devontae Freeman right Bell Murray and Freeman you just don't go out and find three running backs of this caliber Kadri. that just come in and have really look If you would have told me before that J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, and Justice Hill, like you mentioned earlier, won't be on this team, but you bring in three quality guys that have played in some big-time games, Super Bowl-type performance uh, players, and now they're a part of your team. Like, just in their production, all of them had a touchdown last week. I feel like this is an embarrassment of riches for this Ravens football team and how they have been able to play so well, but they they fill a role. How, How is that? How so?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think Eric DaCosta and, and and a lot of this credit goes to Ozzy when Ozzy was the general manager as well. But um, there's no ego in the building when it comes to Eric and John Harbaugh. There's no um, yeah, he's in charge of personnel, but he's smartly and, and wisely aware that well, John, what do you what are your thoughts? What are you seeing? How can we make this this, you know, relationship work when it comes to acquiring players. So when injuries do happen, you're not pressing the panic button. And yeah, those are three quality, quality name guys that mother of Pearl back in the day. I mean,
0: (laughs) and Kadri, look, last one before I get you out of here is that we knew that before the kind of training camp was over, we had heard from Lamar that, Hey, we're not going to talk extension during the season. That's just going to be done with, I'm going to focus on football, but I feel like, (laughs) The way that he's playing, I don't know if the Ravens have enough to pay Lamar Jackson because he's proving one of the reasons why you pay a quarterback the way that you do with all that's been going on. We just talked about with this organization in terms of the injuries and guys in new places. Yet the one constant is that guy, Lamar Jackson, because you know what you're going to get week in and week out. Will the Ravens have enough money to pay him, Kadri?
1: <laughs> Honestly, Kurt, when you look at... The way in which the league is 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 constituted when it comes to contracts, right? You look at the guys that oh they oh if I'm from an agent negotiating standpoint oh he got that oh he got that oh he got that okay. Well, now that we have the parameters set, yes, and so the parameters were set, and it, it's a high number and. You could say, you know, Patrick Mahomes is a quarter billionaire and all that and 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 all the guarantees, but that's a starting point right there in my mind for Lamar. And, you know, we, again, we talk about all the different games that, that you know, he's put this team on his back and won this year currently. That's leverage. He is continually building leverage for himself. And so it'll be interesting to see how – it turns out, uh, when it comes down to, yeah, like they're going to have to, you know, back up the Brinks truck and, and pay the man. Um, I think he, I I would, I would, if I was Eric DeCosta, I would try to get a deal done. Um, because the more he wins, the harder it's going to be. Um, and and he's going to just have more and more leverage.
0: More and more leverage, man. It's great to be Lamar Jackson. Great to be Lamar Jackson. Hey, Kadri, man, I appreciate the time. I know you're a busy guy, but look, I look forward to hearing all your news and notes and catching you on the host of the Purple Pregame on WJZ Channel 13 Baltimore and following you on Twitter. He's a great follower uh, anyway. Just follow him, everybody at I am Kadri Ishmael, Q-A-D-R-Y-I-S-M-A-I-L, man. Great to catch up with you, Kadri. Appreciate you, brother. Thanks
1: for having me on. Hi, everyone. I'm Hall of Fame sportscaster Leslie Visser, and I've got a new podcast, In Conversation, where I'll draw from 45 years of covering the Final Four, the NBA Finals, Wimbledon, the World Series, the Super Bowl, the Olympics. CBS even sent me to the fall of the Berlin Wall. I think you'll enjoy the give and take, so subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts or listen on the SXM app, included in most subscriptions.
0: When it comes to the Raiders this week, week number six, going into Denver, a lot of people thought that this was a game in which the Raiders may not be able to win. So much going on. Obviously, their head coach and the organization, John Gruden, they decide to part ways, obviously because of the emails that were found from John Gruden 10 years ago that, you know, did not suggest uh, he used some language and some words and things that definitely hurtful to a lot of people. And with so much going on with the Raiders that last week, would they be able to get up for a football game against a division opponent, the Denver Broncos? And you think about two similar teams that both started off three and zero, Denver Raiders, both three and zero, but it lost back to back weeks, right? The Raiders lost lose back to back games, and ones in which they just didn't look good, right? And then you think about the the uh, the Broncos, they lose back to back games, and they sit at three and two. So this was a pivotal game because one team is going to walk away three and three, and the other one's going to feel a lot better with themselves at four and two the Raiders knocked off the Broncos on Sunday 34-24 and I don't even know if it was that close it really seemed like the Raiders and Rich Bisaccia, their interim head coach really got these guys ready to play I was impressed at how the Raiders were able to not only overcome the adversity of the week but the way that they controlled this football game Rich Basaccia, to me, I mean, look, his first win as a head coach, he's been a long time coordinator in the NFL. But I was wondering where would they get the where would they get the juice from? Who was going to bring these guys together? It, it it was incidents in which that involved Gruden that really kind of can tear a team apart because guys start worrying about themselves and not about the team. But Basaccia was able to get these guys going. And they were led by the defense. I mean, this Raiders defense, look, forced four turnovers, registered five sacks. Max Crosby had three sacks about himself. It was constant pressure on Teddy Bridgewater over and over and over again. Like, I'm watching the game, and I'm sitting here trying to figure out, can Teddy Bridgewater even get the ball down the field? It just, it wouldn't happen. Teddy Bridgewater threw three interceptions. Three. Three interceptions. The Raiders made this offense one-dimensional for the Broncos dimensional now look they rushed for over 100 yards I get it yeah both guys melvin gordon and javante williams both had 50 yards and 53 yards respectively they rushed for over 100 yards but ultimately it was the raiders domination it really was it was the domination that i saw throughout of turning the football over i mentioned the three interceptions but it was really more so about this raiders pass rush there was always someone in the face of Teddy Bridgewater, which really knocked them off. Look, there was no Jerry Judy out there. There was no KJ Hamler. So they had to rely on the tight ends and Cortland said, but the Raiders did a great job of not only taking those guys out of the game, but not allowing the big play. They didn't allow a, a deep pass over their head. Everything was kept in front of them. And you got to think about just a tremendous job by Jonathan Abram, who had one of his better games. Look, Trayvon Moore, he had one as well. And uh, uh, Faisan, the uh, other defensive back, he also had one. I mean, the Raiders were staying on top and they were tackling, which was huge. And when you think about the offensive side, now look, who was, look, Greg Olson was going to call plays. Their former, uh, now like their quarterback coach, now he's turning to offensive coordinator. I don't know what was said, I don't know what the belief was, but I can tell you this Raiders offense looked different. Derek Carr was 18 of 27, 341, two touchdowns. But for some, they got guys involved, guys who'd never touched the football a lot when Gruden was calling plays. I mean, the Raiders, and I've been waiting for this because I've heard all through training camp, all through training camp, just about certain guys and how good they were going to be. And I'll tell you this. Henry Ruggs, three catches, 97 yards with a 48-yard bomb. Brian Edwards, been waiting on him to explode. He had a 51-yard catch. Derek Carr had six passes of 20 yards of war in this game, right? Darren Waller had a 33-yard grab. Kenyon Drake, he had a 31-yard. Hunter Renfro for 25. Josh Jacobs had a big 29-yard game. The Raiders were pressing the ball down the field. This was... (laughs) this was something I've been waiting for this offense to look like this now I'm not going to put it all on Gruden and say hey Gruden wasn't calling the right plays but I tell you it sure looked different with Greg Olson calling the plays and how explosive this Raiders offense was they didn't win a time of possession Denver did 35 to 25 but it was because I thought the Raiders being able to be so explosive that they had not shown that all season long that's why they were able to. Can they sustain this? They'll take on the Eagles this week, week number seven. Can they keep up this same offensive style against the Eagles? Getting the ball down the field. Derek Carr looked like a totally different quarterback. Didn't turn the ball over as well. This was just an outstanding performance as a team. We already talked about dealing with what they had to deal with. That's why they won this football game. But for me as a former Raider, can they sustain this? Can you do it again? That's what I want to see. So, a big matchup for them against the uh, Philadelphia Eagles this week. Can they bring that same chip they had on their shoulder last week? Now they've come down to sea level. I know they played at elevation, but now they're back to sea level, back to Las Vegas. I want to see if they can repeat that performance against the Eagles. Okay, another week, another week in what? <laughs> Travon Diggs, another interception. Come on, man. Well, we got to stop talking about this. All right, Trevon Diggs, seven interceptions in six games, but this time, this was a pick six variety. Trevon Diggs picked off Mac Jones for a touchdown late in the game versus the New England Patriots. And this has really been all about This new defense of the Dallas Cowboys. We can get into what the Cowboys were able to do because they dominated this game against the New England Patriots. Yeah, the score says 35-29. I get it. The score says, you know, this team played into overtime. I get it. The box score says, oh, the Patriots is right there. I get it. But if you really watch the game, I thought the Dallas Cowboys dominated this football game from beginning to end. This was outstanding watching them offensively. They have a rhythm now. They've got two backs in Pollard and Elliott. They've got a quarterback that's not getting enough credit for what he's been able to do. Dak Prescott threw for more yards than any quarterback has ever threw against a Bill Belichick team. He threw for 445, three touchdowns. You now He had the one interception, he had a fumble body goal line. There were mistakes within the game that the Cowboys definitely say, hey yeah we lost, we could have lost this game. They had over 100 yards in penalties, 115, 12 penalties, 115 yards. But not only they know how to score when needed, they do that a lot. They got a reliable field goal kicker in Greg Zerline, who when the game's on the line, he takes care of business. He knocked in a 49 yarder to tie the game at 29. And then Dak Prescott finds CD Lamb for overtime for a big pickup that went, that, that won the game. But it's really about the defense and Dan Quinn and what they've been able to do. Dan Quinn's come in and really changed the philosophy. And I don't know what's gotten into Trayvon Diggs because he was on the team last year, but I, it seems like he's just bolted into as a star this year. He got this pick six off of his former Alabama teammate, Mac Jones, I just mentioned on Sunday, with 227 remaining in the fourth quarter. Put that the Cowboys up. He has two pick sixes this season, right? both coming off former two former Alabama teammates. Wait, one off of Jones, Mac Jones, one off of Jalen Hurts. But think about this. He was actually leading his brother, Stephon Diggs, wide receiver for the Buffalo Bills. Trayvon had more touchdowns than his brother this year. Now his brother got one on Monday night, you know, Buffalo and taking on the Tennessee Titans. So now both brothers have two touchdowns, but that just goes to show you how well that he's playing, right? 23 tackles on the year seven interceptions, 11 passes defensed. And look, he gave up a touchdown, a little double move to Kendrick Bourne. Wasn't really his fault. My guy Damani KZ, shout out San Diego State. Uh, the safety overplayed it, and that's how the big play happened. Now, this showed me how much of a leader that Trevon Diggs is, is that he blamed himself. Clearly, it was not on him. It was on the safety but that's how far this defense has come where they're able to spot, you know, things at which um, they know that they can fix and they'll move on from it. But the Cowboys right now, after an opening week loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are five and up, they've won their last five games and they sit back and now they've got an opportunity after their bye week in week seven to come out and play against the Vikings who's on a bye week this week as well and could really start to separate themselves in the NFC East. Washington football team, New York Giants, Philadelphia Eagles, to me, I don't think they have a shot this year. Cowboys is just that much better. Remember we were talking about Dak Prescott and the contract and what should you give him? I don't think you can give him enough the way that he's played, right? He's playing great, but the defense is playing even better right? This system by Dan Quinn is, you know, for the taller corners to be aggressive at the line of scrimmage, right? You're getting big contributions along that, off from the front, from Odigie Zua, Randy Gregory, right? You're getting those types of pass rushes that they've been yearning for. Remember, they got rid of Jalen Smith. You know, they, they they released him, and yet the defense is playing even better. They're downhill. So, well, will we see, uh, you know, teams try to Maybe try to run the ball more. I don't know. We'll see. But Right now, Dan Quinn's defense is playing lights out. One of the reasons why I think the Cowboys are right where they are, right up top the NFC East. A lot of it has to do with Trayvon Diggs. A lot of it got to give coaching. Man, you give a clap when it's, when coaching is doing great. That's what Dan Quinn has his defense playing outstanding. Look, this dude's the highest paid defensive player in the NFL for a reason. He knows when to make plays, he knows how to make plays, and the defense just looks different when he's on the field. T.J. Watt has a, just a dominant performance against the Seattle Seahawks. He made the game-winning play, right? He knocked, the, you know, the, the Seahawks are trying to drive, they're trying to go and win the football game, right? And yet, T.J. Watt has the awareness to knock the ball out of Geno Smith's hands, and it's recovered. And the Steelers go down, kick a field goal, they win the football game. Big-time players make big-time plays in big moments. That was T.J. Watt on Sunday night versus Seahawks with seven tackles, two sacks, three tackles for loss, three passes defense, two QB hits, one forced fumble. Yeah, it was the strip sack, man. The strip sack in overtime. Right, You hear the the Seahawks got the ball. They're trying to drive to go win the game. And, oh, T.J. Watt comes in and makes the play. His hustle, his effort, like some guys are just worth having on your team. I know the contract was really expensive for the Steelers, but T.J. Watt is a difference maker. He's a difference maker. He basically was the guy that really put a wreck into a bunch of the plans for the Seattle Seahawks. This year, he's got 21 tackles, seven sacks, three forced fumbles, three passes defense. Some may have even said he was snubbed last year, right? Some say he was even snubbed last year for defensive player of the year that went to Aaron Donald. But he got the big contract this offseason, and yet his play has not dropped. Like currently, when you think of Miles Garrett, who's got eight sacks right now, and Watt has seven, he's been dominant. He takes the ball away from the opposing offense. That's what makes him special. That's what makes him one of the best. He's already hard to block, but he's one of the best because of that. His get-off. And remember in the sack force fumble against Seattle, it was him retreating. It's getting up the field. First of all, it's three-point stance. He gets off the ball. He's going up the field to go sack Geno Smith. Geno decides to step up and take off and run so it's the redirect for me from tj watt that redirects his position and chases down tj watt i mean chases down geno smith and instead of just tackling which a lot of people would do just tackle him get him down tj watt decides to tomahawk chop and knock the football out he knocked the football out of geno smith's hands which the ball back to the pittsburgh Steelers, and then he sets up a chris boswell field goal from 37 yards out and there's a victory that and there's a win look i don't know what the steelers are offensively yet you know they're down juju smith schuster obviously ben roethlisberger a little bit older are they completing the deep passes consistently like they should have is deontay johnson going to catch the football every time where you go through some of the dropsies and claypool getting involved But the yards per carry for Najee Harris, how do you get him to get more comfortable within this rushing attack for the Pittsburgh Steelers? You have all of that going, but then you still have TJ Watt, who's been a constant game record, game changer. When he's on the field, things are different. And it's been different for the the, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers now, who sit at three and three. Now they got a game against the Browns in week number eight coming off of a bye, but man, Think about this, Steelers, Browns, it's gonna be an outstanding matchup. Two teams, Gritty looking for a victory because both of them gonna need it, right? A lot of expectations so far for both squads. And yet I'm looking at right now currently, Pittsburgh Steelers, three and three. The Cleveland Browns, three and three. (laughs) Didn't expect that. Did not expect that two teams that Going to be looking for a win coming up when they tangle in week number eight. So looking forward to that. It should be fun. But right now, currently, T.J. Watt, I think, is in a tie with Miles Garrett. These two guys are the defensive players of the year. And rightfully so. They've earned it. They have deserve it. They got to continue to keep carrying their defenses because ultimately, that's what's, that's all they can do. The Steelers defense, they need T.J. Watt to be T.J., because offensively, they're still learning, they're still making some strides. And I don't know how well this defense can play, but it's up to TJ Watt to make this team go, to make this defense step up and play at a high level. Once they do that, man, I'm telling you, I really believe that this this defense can take off, they can help this offense, and they can be the Super Bowl team or the playoff team. Let's start there first, playoffs team that everybody envisioned before the season. I wanted to hit on these two teams this week just because they're good teams. Arizona, good team, man. 6-0. and And they had an impressive victory going into Cleveland, especially with all of the COVID restrictions. Cliff Kingsbury not being able uh, to coach this week. And yet all the adversity, and they were able to go out there and play. Think about it. the Arizona Cardinals were without head coach Cliff Kingsbury and Chandler Jones. They both tested positive for COVID. And yet, Kyler Murray in the offense was able to go out there and execute. Kyler Murray was 20, 20 of 30, 229, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. A.J. Green had a touchdown, five catches. Christian Kirk had five catches. DeAndre Hopkins had three. Rondell Moore had three. Chase Evans had three. He spread the football around. And it was a dominant performance over a really good Cleveland team that I just mentioned. And then, oh, by the way, they acquired Zach Ertz last week from the Philadelphia Eagles. And I know Max Williams are tight end, they had before was banged up. He's out for the year. Now you add in Zach Ertz, who will fill a role that Max Williams once had. And now, you know, you look at this team and how unstoppable this offense can it be when you add in a Zach Ertz. I mean, this football team right now is standing at 6-0. They, placed the, they play against the Texans in week 7. They could be 7-0. and And then they got a Thursday game against the Green Bay Packers right after that. Whew, in week number 8. Week number 8, Thursday night. I don't know if the Arizona Cardinals are getting enough publicity or enough burn that they need to. They need should be leading team because they're a lot better than what I think people give them credit for. I know the Cowboys are always a great story. I know it's Steelers and You know, Packers are all yes, those are all great stories. But what's going on in Arizona should be noted, should be mentioned, because Kyler Murray is not only throwing the ball better, but he's also not running it the same way that he once did. He's saying I'm not just a dual threat quarterback. I want to throw from the well. I want to buy some time and make some plays, and he's doing that. And their defense is doing that. That's why I think the Cardinals, man, are a team that's scary how well that they're playing to start the season. Now, on the flip side to that, Week one, this team just got obliterated by the New Orleans Saints. And I'm scratching my head saying, that's not good. But man, you win five in a row, and you win the the way that you did on Sunday in Chicago. Man, the Green Bay Packers are back to being the Green Bay Packers, right? Five straight wins. And look, Aaron Rodgers, his typical self, 17 of 23, 195 yards, and two touchdowns. Look to be engaged now. In the beginning of the season, looked to be – he had a lot going on. We know about the offseason of one Aaron Rodgers. But for this week, man, he was back on. This team is back on. They're having fun. They're playing well. And I don't know how many defenses can stop them. I'm a big fan of that Chicago Bears defense. That Chicago Bears defense is not (laughs) – it is not one to be played with, but yet Aaron Rodgers was able to go out there and take off and got the rushing touchdown and let the people in Chicago know that I still own you. Yeah, I still own you. <laughs> Pretty crazy, right? But yeah, this Packers team, man, for people who talked about, hey, the world is ending or what's going on with the NFL, count the Packers out. Hey, they had one bad game. They said relax and they've won five in a row. And now they sit at 5-1 and one with an opportunity to go 6-1 as they play against the Washington football team this week. Aaron Rodgers is playing at such a high clip, such a moment of zen, that I think that this is a team that right now is finally back in gear. They know how to get back to the playoffs. I think, do they have enough to know how to get to the Super Bowl? That's the biggest question. Can they do that? I believe so. so but you got to find out what's that happy medium. What's that good... What's that energy that you need what what's the 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 give and take that you have to have during a season i think aaron Rodgers is figuring figuring that out after having been to the last two nfc championship games i think that this packers team is realizing hey we got to get through this season but once we do we got a strong opportunity to get to the super bowl in los angeles so we'll see honestly how that works but man packers cardinals two of the hottest teams In the NFC. A couple of my uh, players of the week offensively, I got to go with a team that looks a little different this week, right? A little different. They returned a wide receiver, T.Y. Hilton returned for the Colts. But my player of the game, Jonathan Taylor, man, 14 carries, 145 yards. He had a 83-yard run. Just nobody can catch him. Now, I know they played against the Texans, but man, talk about a job well done. Two touchdowns rushing as well, man. Jonathan Taylor is my offensive player of the week, defensive player of the week. I talked about a little bit earlier. How could I go against him, man? The dude was just flat out balling. That's right. TJ Watt, seven tackles, two sacks, three TFLs, three passes, defense, two QB hits, one forced fumble. Yeah, he's my defensive player of the week man look appreciate it everybody appreciate it man another edition of the total coverage podcast thank you for coming on this ride for me this has been always great again at kirk morrison on twitter at kirk morrison on instagram so much i would love to interact with you all so make sure you hit me up tweet me up dm me whatever you need to we'll talk about what you want to hear and more as we get ready to wrap up this week six edition of the total coverage podcast where we now turn turn let's turn let's go let's turn turn the page to week number seven in the national football league always remember you can find this podcast and on apple on stitcher wherever you get your podcast that's right wherever you find your podcast on apple stitcher yes you can find the total coverage podcast so looking forward to week number seven man i will catch you all next week until then Good football, y'all. Total coverage is part of the SiriusXM podcast network. The executive producer is Mike Kinnahan. The associate producers are Chris Tyler and Denny Gallagher. Andy King is the director of sports podcasting for SiriusXM. And special thanks to SiriusXM's senior vice president of sports programming and podcasting, Steve Cohen.
1: Sirius XM Podcasts.